time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom. This is a show where we take a seat on the living room floor with a big bowl of cereal and watch all of your favorite cartoons. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. Today, we watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1987. For a brief synopsis of this show, according to IMDb, the adventures of a quartet of humanoid warrior turtles and their friends... That's a really good description of the show. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. <laughs> it's very accurate. Warrior uh, turtles, though. That I like that part. Warrior turtles. Why couldn't they just say Ninja Turtles? I mean, they kind of gave him the adjective in the name of the right. show. It's already there. Why not just use what you have? Maybe they're going by that rule that if you're giving a definition, you can't use the word in the definition. But they use turtles. They, yeah, they like, use turtles. <laughs> Warrior makes it sound more like they're barbarian turtles of some sort. Right. Oh, that would be a cool spinoff. <laughs> Teenage Mutant Barbarian Turtles. <laughs> barbarian Turtles. Yeah. TMBT. That sounds awesome. I would watch this. That sounds a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm sure at some point during the series, during their time travels, they were barbarians. I know in the Ninja Turtles video game, at some point they were cavemen or they were in the Stone Age. I had a toy based on that. And honestly, I think it was like, it almost looked like Donatello wearing like a Fred Flintstone looking, I don't know, potato sack. (laughs) Like a cheetah print. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) This series is based on the comic books from 1984 by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. And originally they all had red mask. But I guess for the sake of simplicity and to differentiate them all, they turned them all different colors, starting with the TV show. And they rated it TVY7, which is definitely not what the original comics were. So it's a toned down, colorful version of these comics. Right. The comic books were originally at least PG-13, right? I mean, I mean at least like teenage because they, they, they weren't super violent, but there was some violence for sure. They're pretty rough. I mean, it was, there was death, there was blood. So probably PG-13 at the least. So, Chris, who are a few of the stars that were in this show? Sure. So as our turtles, we had Cam Clark for Leonardo. We had Townsend Coleman playing Michelangelo. Barry Gordon as Donatello. Rob Paulson as Raphael. And you might recognize Rob Paulson. He was Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. James Avery as Shredder. Sadly passed away a couple years ago. Right. He was Uncle Phil. And also one thing that I noticed was I recognized a couple names on the credits, which was Bill Wolf and Fred Wolf. And that is a father-son duo here, Fred being the dad. And Fred has been a producer and director on lots of cartoons, lots of things we would recognize, like Alvin and the Chipmunks, DuckTales, James Bond Jr., Speed Racer, Wuzzles. I don't know, Wuzzles. <laughs> things we would recognize, Chris. <laughs> what is Wuzzles? Dino, dino Babies. Nope. You're losing <laughs> yeah, me. <laughs> um, but then his son was also, he's also directed um, animation on lots of shows. So... With him, we've also got Our Real Monsters from Nickelodeon, Duckman, Alvin the Chipmunks, DuckTales, My Little Pony. So lots of stuff. So both of these wolves, wolves, these two wolves (laughs) have had a hand in lots of cartoons. So it was kind of interesting seeing those names pop up because that just brought back memories for me because I'm like, I've seen this name pop up on other stuff before for sure. So I had to check that out. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll see him pop up again if this show lasts past episode one. Yes, if it lasts past <laughs> episode one, we will probably see it again. <laughs> 
All right, and the format that we're going to be using in these shows, first we'll go over what memories we have of this cartoon. Then we'll talk about the three episodes that we watched coming into this show, which is going to be the first episode, the highest rated episode, and the random listener pick to finish out the episode. So first, since we're going to go into memories, Chris, what memories do you have of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1987? So this was probably the big cartoon that I watched as a kid. And uh, the one I probably have the most memories of, especially of playing with the toys. I would always have my toys out on the living room floor while I was watching it. And I remember that they would play this cartoon in blocks. So you would not just get one episode. You would get like multiple episodes in a row. And I used to do this thing where... I don't know why I did this, but I would take my little cassette tape recorder and I would set it on top of the TV and hit record and I would record the audio to every episode as it played. And then like later when I'm playing with my toys, I would go back and just play the episode over and act out my toys and stuff to the (laughs) the episode, which sometimes didn't make sense because if they didn't have like, you know, they always have random characters and stuff like that. If I didn't have that toy, it wouldn't make any sense at all, but it was still fun. Then you just have to throw an army man in there or something, right? Right, I would just grab like a uh, transformer and throw him. Optimus Prime made lots of cameos in Ninja <laughs> Turtles for me. My favorite as a kid was Michelangelo. I identified with him the most because I always identify with the craziest, wackiest characters that you can't take serious. He's cracking jokes. He loves pizza. And I think the thing that stood out to me the most was him. And it had a lot of really memorable villains, which also stood out to me. They had so many cool characters. We had people like Leatherhead and Bebop and Rocksteady, Krang and Shredder, Baxter Stockman. They had like the best rogues gallery of a cartoon at that point in time. So it was really, really great for a kid. What do you remember? Like you were saying, it's it, this was the biggest one that I can remember as far as cartoons go. I don't know if I had more toys of any other franchise than I did Ninja Turtles. Of course, all of the main turtles. And then they had all these for whatever reason, and they still do this to this day just to sell more toys, but they had every different version of the turtles in every different scenario you could imagine. Even if it wasn't in the show, it's like Universal Studio Monsters, Ninja Turtles. There was... Yeah, there's like a Dracula Donatello and things like that. And then there was like C Donatello, Space Donatello. There's just all these different variations. And then I just remember this is actually... How I started drawing, too, is drawing Ninja Turtles. Like, they had these very simplistic faces, and they were easy to draw even as a kid. It's just, like, circles, 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 and then a bandana on them. So that got me started on my artistic endeavors as well. So I have very fond memories. You know who, the there's a group that I really like. It was kind of weird because in the show they were completely different than the toys, but it was the, the frogs. Oh, yeah. They, they introduced, those were some of my favorite characters were the frogs. And the frogs all looked the same in the cartoon, which was okay. But then they came out with toys of them. And then they were all different. And yeah. I actually preferred them like that. I thought they were really cool. But there was two of them I had and I could never find the other two for some reason. Yeah, I remember uh, some of them were like Napoleon Bonafrog. And, I had uh, Napoleon Bonafrog and I think Genghis Frog. Yeah. Genghis Toad or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, I never found the other two, and I don't remember what their names were. I remember having, I still actually have a Baxter Stockman, the fly version. That just reminded me of one quick story, and it's going to make people cry. But <laughs> but I just remembered this because a couple years ago, my last grandparent passed away. It was my step-grandpa. And when I was a kid, I spent a lot of time at him and my grandma's house. And they just moved in this house because they moved like every two years because they fixed up houses and they would move. 
so there's always a lot of cardboard around. So I would get crayons and I would draw Ninja Turtles on these cardboard boxes. So after he passed away, I went back to Illinois for the funeral and then went to his house because my parents were taking care of the state and everything like that and found out that he had kept the boxes in a back room that I drew all the turtles in. So I, I, I went back there and saw all these cardboard boxes just flattened out of all these things I drew when I was like, you know, like, I don't know, four or five years old. Oh, so that was man. Cool. And now Joseph's going to cry. Yeah. I'm already <laughs> crying a little bit, man. Uh. <laughs> That's that's really cool though that he kept all of those those memories. Yeah, man. it was neat. It was really neat. Yeah. Well, I guess before we go into any more tear jerkers, we should probably <laughs> we should probably jump into the episodes themselves. As I said before, we started with episode one, and the name of this episode was Turtle Tracks. How does that hold up? Episode one was, you know, it, it held up better than I thought because when I first started watching it, I was expecting this to be really bad. <laughs> yeah, I was expecting my childhood to be shattered. Oh, same by here. Watching this, but it, it actually held up way better. For one, though, the introduction with the music and the like montage they play is really good. It's really cool. Oh, man. Yeah, the song's still super cheesy, but it's so fun. The animation in that one is really good. Better than the actual <laughs> show. <laughs> I think that can be said for most shows, but yeah, definitely the animation in the beginning is fantastic, and the music so catchy. Like to this day, if I even hear the beginning of that song, I know exactly what it is. Something that I had forgotten about with the first episode was how their origin was played out in the cartoon, because there's so many different ways that the origins even played out in all the different versions of it that this one was just so i was kind of like disappointed by this origin a little bit because i was like that's kind of as ridiculous even as the concept is it's like that's even more ridiculous but in a funny way i guess like splinter hamato yoshi is in the dojo with Orokosaki, Shredder, and basically he prevents him from bowing down to their master who comes in He sticks it through the robe into the wall so he can't move. Yeah, he just sticks a a little knife into the wall so that Hamato Yoshi can't move. And then when the master comes in, he's expected to bow. He doesn't bow. But instead of the master asking like, oh, you know, what happened? Or instead of Yoshi trying to explain what happened, he's just like, get that bum out of here. He just he pulls the knife out from his robe and then they immediately like, oh, you're going to kill our master. Let's get him out of here. You're done. <laughs> and then he immediately goes and hangs out in the sewer with rats. Yeah, like he, it's like he was penniless. So, of course, the first place he went was the sewers. <laughs> so I've seen some manhole covers where I live because I live in the city. And at night where I live, looks it can look a little bit like New York City in some places. And I'm like, there's no, even if I was penniless, there's no possible reason for me to pop open one of those manhole covers and climb down there. It's, it looks awful. And as chance would have it, these four turtles are dropped down into the sewer as well over Hamato Yoshi's head. And so he's like, oh, now I have friends to keep me company. And then some... Well, I love too because it was just this kid carrying a, a little like fish jar of turtles and he just trips because everyone in this cartoon is super clumsy. Oh, so clumsy. If you've noticed. So this kid just falls, drops his turtles, like the thing breaks, they fall right through a sewer grate. And then like a couple of days later, I guess, there's just mutagen that <laughs> fell into the sewer too and broke and the turtles crawled through it and got all dirty with mutagen. Yeah, he probably, had he thought it through, he probably shouldn't have 
made his home directly under the grate so that <laughs> things could fall on him. Steve, yeah, stuff keeps falling on him. <laughs> so I caught a contradiction with this origin when with how they mutated because they explain as, as Splinter's doing the voiceover, he says that the mutagen causes the person to turn into the animal they last had contact with. Uh, I so know exactly turtles, what you're going to say. Yeah, so the turtles, since Hamato Yoshi had been handling them, the turtles became humanish, so they became the Ninja Turtles. Why they automatically became teenagers, I don't know. But Hamato Yoshi, they had just shown him touching the turtles, but then he turned into the rat instead. So if it goes by that logic, he should have turned into a turtle himself, and yeah. then they would have all been one big turtle family. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. I was like, when does he have like a rat in his pocket or something? He's not in contact with a rat right now, so I mean, he literally sets the turtle down and then turns into a rat. The only way that I could rationalize it, I guess, is let's say the turtles are so covered in this mutagen that the first thing he touches when he reaches down is the mutagen, mutagen, not the turtle shell. So if that's the case, and it instant and it's got like a quick reaction, then it instantly reacts with him who had just contacted a rat. Like it already started working on his DNA before he touched the turtle. Yeah, exactly. Is what you're saying. Okay. That's that's the only way I can rationalize it, really. But I was thinking the exact same thing when I watched it. What did you think of the bad guys when you first saw them? Because we get to see Bebop and Rocksteady before they're Bebop and Rocksteady, and mm-hmm. they don't tell you that's who it is. But just knowing the show, we know that's who two of them are. But the rest of the guys look like something out of some sort of He-Man or Mad <laughs> Max kind of cartoon because they're... They just look ridiculous and they're wearing these crazy clothes that no one would actually ever wear. It doesn't look like they're even from this dimension, the way that they're dressed. Like, it reminds me of the neutrinos almost, the way that their clothing attire is. I was going to say, there's this one guy in particular that they don't give a name to or anything, but he's wearing some sort of, like, chest, like, harness thing that looks more like something from Conan the Barbarian. (laughs) But then he's wearing sunglasses and he's got spikes on his jeans or something. One of them reminded me of, um, do you ever see that, that cartoon called, um, is it Mutant League? Yes, Mutant League. There, there, was a, there was a guy that reminded me kind of of like the way he was shaped. He kind of looked like Bones Justice in a way. Uh, but we'll get to Mutant League one of these days. Definitely. All right, so, so with episode one, let's wrap that up and say this is really kind of an intro episode, of course, to everyone. I was telling Joseph before the show that I, I caught lots of mistakes and just lots of really quirky things in this that I never would have caught before. So just some of the funny things I saw were there's a couple instances where the voices were mixed up, where Mikey was talking with Don's voice, and there was once where Donatello was talking, but it was Raph's voice instead. So they, I think they mixed up the animation or the lines or something. There's a part where one of the goons got hit with Donatello's staff, but then the goon yells at the staff instead of Donatello. <laughs> like he's looking straight down at the staff and he's like, oh, I'm going to get you. <laughs> like it's, it's literally a stick. <laughs> I don't think the stick's going to be too worried about it. There's a part where April O'Neil's head turns, but her eyes stay in the same spot and it looks really creepy. <laughs> it's so scary. I did not remember that the foot soldiers were robots. I yeah. completely forgot. That was kind of a, a surprise and like a cool, oh, yeah, kind of moment. Yeah. And they all walk like they just had a colonoscopy like <laughs> they, or like they got off a horse. Like yeah, their they're legs all are so far apart. Right. Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had remembered that they were robots, and it makes total sense, actually, 
to keep it that uh, TV Y7 rating, it's like those weapons that they have, obviously they have to use them for something. So why have a sword if you can never cut anybody? But you know who's fine? Robots. You can always cut robots. Oh, and this is the same reason that, like, in movies and stuff like that, you look at things like the Avengers. They always have to have mass armies of creatures or robots that aren't in control of themselves. Like, in the first Avengers, they got the whole armies being controlled by this ship, so they're not sentient on their own. Mm-hmm. And then Ultron, it's a bunch of robots. Things that appeal to kids have to have that kind of thing in them, otherwise it gets too... Too murdery. Too, <laughs> too murdery. Yeah. <laughs> they, they either have to be robots or they have to have green blood or they just have to be non-human for the non-human. most part. So it doesn't look too murdery, as you say. <laughs> too murdery. <laughs> uh, let's get to our second episode, which is this was the highest rated one. And we got this rating from IMDb. This one is season three, episode 23, Casey Jones, Outlaw Hero where Casey is out to take out some lawbreakers and then runs into the turtles. Meanwhile, Krang and Shredder are releasing little robot bugs that take over machines and appliances and makes them sentient and evil. (laughs) Yes, this is a very busy episode, but I have to say I can see why it's so well rated. It was hilarious. I love this episode. Casey Jones' voice is one of my favorite things ever now. Yes, I had I completely forgot that that's how his voice was. It's just <laughs> it's so raspy and it's like <sighs> it's Kung Fury basically. If yes. you've seen Kung Fury, that's how Casey Jones talks. My favorite line by him was literally like this: "Even machines must obey the law." And it was just perfect. It's just a lot of like a game over lawbreaker. He's just like <laughs> he enunciates everything, and he, it's just a low tone. It's like just speaking from the back of his throat all the time. The quintessential, like, I don't know, 80s, early 90s, like, hero kind of voice. Yeah, he was compared to... anti-hero. Yeah, he was compared to Dirty Harry. He's the vigilante, definitely. Right, exactly. And it it worked well. It fit so well, too. And I didn't even notice they never showed his face for the entire thing. He only has the mask on. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, do they ever? But I, yeah, through the whole cartoon, I don't think they ever do. On the action figure, that mask is fixed to his face. That thing oh, doesn't yeah. come off. Nope. So maybe they never off. show it. I don't think they do. I don't think it was until the, you know, maybe they do in the original comics, but I don't think it was until the actual first movie that they really showed his face. Something else that they brought in this episode besides Casey was the turtle van. The turtle oh, van was, is, awesome. was that the intro of the turtle van? I don't think so. It was oh, just the first but, time that we saw it. Yes. So we only yes. watched three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, oh, I love that van. The turtle van is so ridiculous. And I was looking at it as it was driving down the street, and it's like it's got a gun it's sticking no out of the top of it. It's like, man, this thing this doesn't blend in. This thing looks dangerous and like it. They Pretty need to be pulled over. Yeah, it says turtles on the front. <laughs> like if they're trying to blend in, it's not going to work. There's shells everywhere. That's all of their equipment. Yeah, all of their shells. vehicles, just like the the turtle blimp. I think they had a turtle boat of some sort. If you th- just think about for a minute how morbid that could be. Because if that was us, we would have cars with, like, skin all over it and stuff like that. Like, that's weird, right? Like, faces. Turtle shell. I think turtle shells are, like, kind of like fingernail material in a way. No. Isn't that weird? So it'd be like us having bones on stuff. Right. It's like if we – we would totally look like road warriors if we were just driving around with the bones and skulls all over the place. So, like, if if a turtle from another society – that could think for itself, happen to see them, that turtle would be scared to death of the Ninja Turtles 
based on their equipment, like what they drive. But the van was welcoming because it had that face on it. Like, it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. It was kind of a frown. Does the face kind of have a grimace on it? Yeah, it is kind of a grimace. Everything is scary about this van. <laughs> yes. I couldn't imagine seeing this van coming at me in the middle of the night because what what it would have is eyes with its headlights would be lit up and all you see is that grimace coming at you with the giant shell <laughs> and guns everywhere. Oh, it's so scary. It's terrifying. Yeah. I, I loved it as a kid, but like thinking about it as a rational adult, I'm like, this is the scariest thing ever. Like, <laughs> I would not want to see this on the road. Right. <laughs> Yeah, Casey Jones was a highlight. This is definitely his intro because the turtles don't know who he is. He doesn't know who the turtles are. He assumes they're criminals. And he is just so anti... He is a vigilante times 100. He is anti every kind of law-breaking. Like He's like Batman drinking a case of Red Bull <laughs> right. and like grabbing a hockey stick and just going to town. <laughs> he, yeah, he's not just stopping like some criminals. He's stopping crime, period. Like, right, it's like if you litter or if you're caught sleeping on a park bench or something, he's going to take you down just as hard as he would take down like... A bank robber or something like that. Yeah, like the the poor guy sleeping on the bench in the park. Even loitering's a crime. Yeah, he was adamant about taking that guy down. Uh, my one of my favorite lines was when that uh, the turtles like. I mean, they just kind of happen to be in the same area a few times, and the turtles are like, "Oh, there he is again!" <laughs> and they run over to stop him, and uh, the poor like homeless looking dude's trying to run away, and he's like, "Stop! That vicious criminal's getting away." <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a vicious criminal. Or the machines. He's like, uh, the machines. Yeah. Time to face harsh justice appliances. <laughs> right. The, so the little bug, uh, robo bugs that Krang and Shredder unleash mm-hmm. turn all these appliances. I don't know where all these appliances came from, um, but they appliance turn everything stores. machine. Oh, okay. The appliance stores. That makes some sense. <laughs> they probably busted through the window and everything. Of course. So it turns everything, it makes them kind of sentient in a way and they start attacking everything. But it's happening all over the city. And one of my favorite things was Vernon in the news station, the copy machines just spitting paper at him. But he's freaking out in the corner <laughs> like, oh, somebody save me. I'm like, literally, the worst you're going to get is a paper cut. Like, you could probably just walk away and be fine. Right. <laughs> April gets chased by a hairdryer. A-, a waffle iron bit somebody. I think it was one of the turtles. Oh, that would hurt, though. Well, Especially I don't think if it was left on. Yeah, it wasn't plugged in. What's oh, weird well is, then. like, I, I don't think this plan was well thought through by Shredder and Krang. I mean, none of them no. are. But this one especially because it's, like, it doesn't seem like they have control over these bugs. Like, Not at all. It's just, like, they go into the machines, and the machines get minds of their own, and they have no loyalties to anyone. It's just havoc. <laughs> just kind of cause chaos. Right. I, I guess that was the idea, but they didn't think about it getting into their machines. Shredder's like, these refrigerators will take over the world. <laughs> This is the start of Skynet, I think. This is how that this began. Is the start of Skynet. It started with refrigerators and, <laughs> and copy machines. <laughs> One thing I noticed about this episode that I did not remember whatsoever, and I thought this is cool too because I don't remember another cartoon doing this, at least that old, was they broke the fourth wall several times in this episode. I think it was Raphael breaks it again later. April says something like, oh, I wish the turtles would hurry up. And then while she's still on the screen, they show half of a scene of Raphael fighting, you know, in another location. And he's like, I'm working on it kind of thing. Like, hold your horses. Then he looks at the camera and he's like, man, some people just don't appreciate your work or something. I don't know. Yeah. But I thought it was weird that they, they were breaking the fourth wall, like all over the place. And I'm like, I don't remember that, but that's kind of fun. I remember Raphael breaking the fourth wall constantly, not really? just in this episode. I, yeah. But uh, in... I'm not going to say every episode, but I know quite a few episodes. He just turns to the camera and he's like, 
you know, like this guy just pointing to the side <laughs> and stuff, just always this a comment. Guy. That's his cool but rude attitude. Quote unquote rude attitude was he just makes lots of jokes. <laughs> he's just very sarcastic, really. He's, he was he's much a nice more, guy. Yeah, he was much more funny than I remember, too. Because in any other iteration of the Turtles, he's just kind of a jerk. Oh, completely. And um, really hot headed. But in this, he's just really goofy and, yeah, sarcastic. For a quick description of Casey Jones, for anyone who doesn't know him, he is a guy wearing kind of a midriff shirt. Like, it comes up a little bit. But <laughs> He definitely tore the bottom off. Yeah. It's frayed, and his exactly. belly button is kind of showing a little. It's showing off, He's showing off those abs. And then he's got a hockey mask always on and a golf bag on his back that has... Any kind of sports equipment you can imagine, there were... That he can hit stuff with. Yeah, there he, it was baseball bats, there was a hockey stick, there were ski poles, just the anything. croquet Yeah, bat. croquet bat. He's a sports fanatic vigilante. Yep. Sports fanatic vigilante. Yes. It's yes. like if your dad had too many Red Bulls and then grabbed all of his old golf gear, went to a Dick's Sporting Goods or something, grabbed a few things, <laughs> and then went out and fought crime. I see why it was the top rated one. Some of it makes no sense, but it's just so much fun. And we got to see Krang. That was the first episode that we saw Krang in for you and I revisiting this. And Krang's fun, too. Oh, yeah. Krang's always great. <laughs> oh, oh good. Yeah, this, this is just, good stuff. It was just a ridiculous episode, but definitely worth watching. Okay, so for the last one, we watched Season 3, Episode 32, Usagi Yojimbo, which was a crossover episode with another anthropomorphic animal. This one, not a ninja, though. He's a samurai, ronin samurai. And for a brief description of this, a rabbit ronin warrior from an alternate dimension is lost in our world. While the turtles help him adjust, Shredder steals a dragon egg to unleash it on the city. If that doesn't sound like a great episode, I don't know what is. It's got so can, much going on. You can tell Shredder just doesn't really think things through. <laughs> no. I mean, he, first he's just like, all right, let's just let's throw some little robot bugs out there. They're going to inhabit some things and appliances will do the job. That's got to work. Right. That doesn't work. So this one, he's like, all right, I'm going to get a big dragon egg. I'll probably be safe. Let's just let this dragon go and see what happens. <laughs> I'm sure this dragon will make it so that I can take over this city. <laughs> doesn't put a lot of thought into his plans. He just kind of does stuff. Not at all. For a little history on Usagi Yojimbo, based on Stan Sakai's comic Usagi Yojimbo, the rabbit's actual name is Miyamoto Usagi. They simplified it for the Turtle series, and Usagi Yojimbo stands for Rabbit Bodyguard. He is, as I said, a ronin. The way he's brought into this world with the turtles is, of course, transdimensional teleportation, because right. how else would that happen? Yeah, like Krangs and Shredder are doing something with a little teleportation device, because at first you see one of those rock soldiers pop through. General and uh, Trag? Yeah. yeah, General Trag. Then a portal opens up. I, was it Donatello was messing with one at the same time? And then the portal opens up. Up and you see Usagi's era, like his dimension, and he's fighting some pigs. Because, of course, rabbits are going to fight pigs. That's how that kind of works. That's how the world works. Animal Kingdom. You know, cats and mice, rabbits and pigs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you see him like facing down. The turtles are pretty impressed. And then he crosses over into their dimension. So now the turtles are faced with a rabbit. You know, they come up against Usagi, and he is from a much different dimension, much different time period. So all these modern things he is not accustomed to. And he assumes the turtles right away are just more of uh, whatever enemy force the pigs are a part of. He goes on the defensive and of course turtles, their home being invaded, start to attack. They get into a small scuffle and Usagi basically he disarms them all and embarrasses them. The one thing that finally beats him, which was kind of funny, was Michelangelo throwing a big pizza pie at his face oh yeah that's right and um, and then splinter like, disarmed him yeah and he's like you must teach me this technique what do you call it and splinter is like slapstick 
You must teach me the slapstick. That's a good voice. That's kind of how it was. It's just very calm and collected voice. He was voiced by the same guy that was voicing Michelangelo. In oh, that episode, wow. Which is kind of interesting because two completely different voices. Yeah, I didn't. I would have never known. The one's really calm and then, you know, Michelangelo's like, whoa, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that I liked about this episode is the turtles got out of their normal gear and they dressed up kind of as street punks. In one part of this episode, they were wearing like denim jackets and stuff. They had sunglasses on instead of their bandanas, but the sunglasses were the colors of their bandanas. Of course. That was kind of interesting seeing that. Uh, I I honestly, I think I vaguely remember some toys that looked like that. I I think I had one of them. I think maybe Leonardo, but that was about it. And those are kind of cool. I liked those costumes. Those are pretty neat costumes. Usagi's costume, for whatever reason, they gave him a robe, like a a monk's robe to go outside (laughs) in. I don't know if that was his disguise, whose choice that was, but it wasn't a great one. Uh, One of my favorite parts was, so Usagi gets separated from the rest for a little bit. He, He stumbles into a uh, restaurant that's rabbit themed for some reason where all of the workers are dressed as rabbits yeah and the owner mistakes him for one of the workers and kind of slaps him on the back and he's like we've been waiting on you get over there and Isagi falls over and he gets up in front of these three waiters that look scared to death dressed in bunny suits that part just like I, I laughed out loud at that one I thought that was hilarious <laughs> and then he goes to the kitchen and he actually starts cooking for starts them cooking. <laughs> He just wants to help. He's the chill guy. So in the meantime, so the the dragon egg hatches and this dragon's starting to cause some issues. And they're like, well, what do we do with this dragon? So the turtles split up. Dante and Splinter, they went after the old master who owned the egg before it hatched to try to help get him back to find out what to do about the dragon. And then Leonardo, Raphael, Michelangelo are in charge of dealing with said dragon who's hungry it's a hungry dragon yeah so they're fighting the dragon and then the way that they bring this to an end they don't want to hurt the dragon essentially the owner of the dragon is like we need to stop them before the city hurts the dragon hurts the dragon since this is Usagi's episode, he ultimately is the hero, and by a long shot, because the turtles are complete cowards in this. Yeah. When called on, it's like, who will put the blue flame in the dragon's mouth? Everyone's like, uh, I think I have something else to do. Yeah, they're um, looking around like, yeah, and Usagi's like, I will take on this task. Yes. It wasn't even a blue, it was just a blue candle with a regular flame on <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking that too. Mouth. I think it's the Lost in Translation animation right. thing. But. I also it liked how, like, when they were trying to distract the dragon before that, because the dragon was hungry, for some reason there's a grain silo in this downtown city that they use their sword to rip open and they feed the dragon all this grain and he's eating it. While the dragon's eating, I found another mistake, which was, and this one was great, this is good, because this one lasted a few seconds too which was Raphael, instead of being in red, was in all pink, like hot pink. (laughs) Like everything was hot pink. It was so funny. It lasted like five or six seconds. So I was just like, wait a minute. (laughs) Well, that was fun. If you watch this episode and you get to the green part, watch Raphael. Once the dragon starts eating and they're back on the ground watching him, you will see him change colors. Hot pink Raphael. Another part for me, I guess, was the end where he threw the candle in his mouth. And what did he turn into? He turned into like cotton candy or something. It's like <laughs> It was supposed to be the egg again. Oh, it was like a shriveled egg. It looked it, weird. It looked gross. Yeah. It looked like a white avocado. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of sad, honestly. And it was still so big. Like, how how are they going to get that egg out of there? The same way those few foot soldiers were able to get that whole vase out of there with the egg in it. <laughs> right. I guess so. <laughs> They're just going to have to get some robots scary stuff around for them. Yeah, exactly. I also enjoyed there was one part where they were trying to... So the dragon 
ate some coals and then started breathing fire, which was Michelangelo's fault. Oh, of course. Um, Raphael is not happy about that. But anyway, they run outside, and there's a group of foot soldiers just hanging out in the street, just standing there. The turtles <laughs> run up in front of them and just stay there, and the foot don't do anything. They're, they're all just standing there together. The dragon comes out and is about to breathe fire. The turtles are like, look out, and all three turtles run. The foot soldiers just stand there and get burned to ashes yeah. without any moves whatsoever. I mean, they had minutes to get out of there, and they just hung out and did nothing. This is why the foot soldiers are robots, so they can have scenes like that. <laughs> so they can kill them. It was another good episode. It's just like, it's one of those things where, looking back at this as adults, you see so many goofy things and some mistakes and stuff that doesn't make sense. But there's so much fun to it. It's just an enjoyable thing to watch regardless of if it makes sense or not. It's entertaining, which is exactly what it's supposed to be. So they definitely did a good job there. It was a fun episode, definitely. Actually, at this point, why don't we review this series as a whole? Let's take it back to childhood. Chris, what would young you say about this? Okay, yeah. Let me bring out my inner kid real quick. So I, re- I really liked all the turtles. All the I liked all the, the different characters. The characters are my favorite part, and especially getting to see all of the, the other characters like Usagi and Casey Jones. There's just so many cool characters to add, and the characters are my favorite. And it's silly, but it's still so much fun. And all the, the ninja stuff is really cool, too. I like ninjas. I don't know. Joseph, what did you think? Even from this small sampling, I was reminded of what I love most about this show. There's a lot of ninja action and a lot of memorable characters, sure, but what really took me back was the silly humor. Even now, there were some parts that really cracked me up. Casey Jones' voice? Amazing. And as a nerdy kid that I still am, Donatello was and always will be my favorite. Yeah, Donatello's cool, but Mikey's my favorite. Michelangelo's awesome, because he likes pizza, and pizza's cool. I love pizza, too. And they had some crazy pizzas, like sausage and bananas, and then they had ice cream on their pizzas. And now I just want to eat lots of pizza. If I had to rate this show overall, I think I would give it three out of three big heaping bowls of cereal. And the rating I'd give this show is three out of three big heaping bowls of cereal as well. It was great. Thanks for summing that up for us. (laughs) Definitely. The humor, the ninjas, the pizza, it's all there. Next time, we'll be watching Invader Zoom! With that said, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And we'll see you next Saturday. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Definitely reach out and let us know what cartoon you'd like us to cover, along with some of your favorite episodes so we can feature them on our show. You can make a request, see the current request list, or speak with the show host by visiting the Cartoon Boom subreddit. You can also connect with our network by visiting nerdsloth.com or searching for Nerdsloth on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. See you next Saturday. 